I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And of course, as long as we stay on an even keel, and that all comes down to the Herculean efforts once again of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today? <laughs> gotcha, Gary. Go, 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 go. It's all you. Oh. He's holding up the whole station, you know. Wow. It's really unfair of us to put him on hernia alert like this. <laughs> I actually kind of felt one coming a little bit there. Thanks, Gary, for understanding. You're so close to me right now. I don't know what to say. <laughs> we're having fun, as you can tell, and we're delighted to visit and play among the stars and the planets with our very special guest, we're talking oh, about special, 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 Christopher Renstrom. And I just found out from you moments ago, Suzanne, moments that ago. he's entered the Golden Circle. He's but, a Golden Circle Award winner as of today. He is. Uh, he's definitely gold. He's always been an A-lister, but the Golden Circle is our anniversary of being on KKNW in March will be 13 years. And our guest today makes his 20th appearance. And that oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. There we go. All right. <laughs> he deserves it. 20th time. Okay. I know we want to talk to him and not uh, so much about each other. So I'm going to just tell you that rulingplanets.com is Christopher Renstrom's online subscription-based interactive astrology magazine. And it is based on his book, Ruling Planets which was published in 2002, eons ago, and has sold out its print run. You can only find it in resale shops, not first run. Renstrom has been a practicing astrologer since 1985. He lectures about the history of astrology in America from pre-revolutionary to modern times, which is his specialty, and runs Ruling Planets workshops around the country. He regularly appears on radio and television, and we are so thrilled when he makes an appearance on Manson Mitchell. And uh, I, I think we have something else to ask him about it uh, at the bottom of the hour when we, uh, when we get his marketing information. So welcome to time number 20, Christopher Renstrom. So happy to have you on today. Oh, wow, thank you so Wow, number 20. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I really, oh boy, what, what a privilege and what an honor. And you are really in the hot seat today because we want the, the astrological of what's really going on. And you're the guy to tell us. Okay. At <laughs> which you fall silent. Stunned. Absolutely stunned. Christopher, you're such a historian of astrology. Pre-revolutionary times. If they had horoscopes in the daily newspaper, would there have been one around July, somewhere between July 1 and July 4 of 1776, where the astrologer, syndicated no doubt, would have said, expect 
a bit of a kerfuffle in the colonies. <laughs> well, actually, what's it's funny you should mention that they didn't have um, newspapers because the uh, or daily newspapers because the printing presses the the materials for print were were so scarce. I mean, they did have almanacs and and they did print books a uh, limited number. Um, what's fascinating is actually in the colonies. Uh, you know, right pre-revolutionary. One of the most popular books in the colonies was the Book of Knowledge, which was an astrological book um, and a big seller. Um, so, so, so that was definitely on the presses. But, but what what the colonists, uh, pre-revolutionary colonists, would have actually referenced would have been almanacs. Um, and at that time, right now we're used to the farmer's almanac talking about the phases of the moon, but I've actually uh, been able to, to attain, you know, copies, Xerox copies, not the real thing, of almanacs from the uh, 1700s. And it's very detailed uh, planetary information talking about Mars sextiling Saturn or a Saturn-Jupiter square. And um, they would always sort of begin with like a little header, you know, a little theme, kind of a rhyme in some places or a poem about the upcoming month. So that kind of um, astrology was really quite popular in the colonies during that period and, um, and was connected uh, specifically uh, to their almanacs, which was a once-a-year purchase. And then there came Poor Richard's. Almanac, how did uh, poor, that factor in Ben Franklin? Yeah, he comes out of that tradition. Almanacs had been written and printed before. And um, it's funny because um, in order to make a name, because almanacs at that period of time were very competitive, um, you, you, you really wanted to have a following. And in order to make a name, uh, Benjamin Franklin lampooned um, a very famous British astrologer. Um, and he wrote an essay where he predicted the death of the astrologer, um, that, you know, these are the planets or whatever, and so this astrologer has, has passed away or whatever. And, the, and you have to remember, we don't have Twitter back then or, or social media, so it takes a few weeks, if not months, for word to get around. But this astrologer in England finds out, and he starts writing, I'm not dead, I'm not dead. And he's like sending out, you know, all these missives and things like that, and Ben Franklin's like ignoring it, and he's going on and on. And, you know, so, so that actually was very funny. People thought that that was enormously funny, and that was kind of the beginning of uh, Poor Richard's Almanac kind of becoming the daily show of the almanacs, <laughs> you know, at, at, at that period of time, becoming much more satirical, lampooning, while, of course, providing the basic almanac information like planetary positions and phases of the moon. Yeah, almanacs sound like the blogs of their day if they, they were. were all competitive. And my grandmother used to read the Farmer's Almanac. So I remember as a, a young girl looking through that book, and she was very interested in planetary alignments. I don't, she never told me that she followed astrology, but I suspect that she probably did. There was a recent article that I think the North Carolina Journal published or something like that, where um, it was planting by the moon planning by the almanac and and the fellow who writes it you know is wondering why his beans aren't as big as this other woman's beans and she's like because you plant during the wrong phase of the moon if you planted at this phase of the moon you know the, the beans would increase in size and so he and they did <laughs> you know which is why he wrote this article and he was just laughing and giggling about it but farmers 
farmers planted by the, the phases of the moon, and um, that was covered in the almanacs. What was also covered in the almanacs and was more about the placement of the planets, for instance, because uh, your audience might be wondering, well, why would they have had placement of the planets? Weather, until uh, the 1860s, 1880s, uh, was forecasted based on the position of the rising and the setting of the planets in the sky along with the moon. And so weather forecasting was done um, off, of, off of the planets and their movement through the signs. You know, if somebody's not all in tune with this, it might sound a little bizarro as far as the, the um, phases of the moon and when's a good time to plant and when it isn't a good time mm-hmm. to plant. It, it almost sounds, um, you know, mythical. Because we're but not connected intro- to our bodies in the way that we used to be. That's exactly. Why it silly. Right. And I'll tell you why it shows up, where it shows up for me today in 2020, is that um, the, the beaches in Florida will rope off where the turtle eggs are laid, mm-hmm. and the turtles will hatch and go for the moon to get yeah. into the water. And so yeah. during that period of time when the turtle hatchlings are coming out, everybody has to turn their lights out that face the beach. Otherwise, the turtles would be going the wrong way and they would die if they were heading toward a house rather than toward the water. So, wow. the, so the full moon leads them to the water and leads them to their life continuing. So when you talk about phases of the moon, we're not in touch with the way things are naturally, you know, unless there is a, a situation like the turtles, which I happen to know about and see on TV and all that. But it didn't, it wouldn't surprise me that it that there's a better time to plant seeds than not plant seeds. That makes perfect sense. Well, the success of the early colonists and their harvest depended on that. <laughs> I mean, not only was that almanac information, but it was also the Native American populace who, you know, taught them how to do that. Yeah, you had to know how to time. And something that I think that we forget is imagine being a colonist in the New World. All of the tradition, all the timekeeping traditions that you have, churches sounding off bells and, and clock mechanisms, all this stuff from Europe are, are not here <laughs> when you're landing as a right. colonist in the new world. So you're really connected to nature, the moon, the phases of the moon, and and, and all these sorts of things. And not all colonists were farmers or good at it. So astrology um, really played a strong role. Astrology comes to America in three forms. It's the almanac, it's the Culpeper's Physician, which is an herbalist remedy uh, book, so that uh, they knew what herbs to pick to take care of broken limbs or sores or things like that, and of course the Book of Knowledge, which was a which was a book about astrological signs and things like that. These were these were big yeah. sellers in the colonies. Excellent. Well, should we should we move on to 2020? And sure. what about this? I hear rumors of a solar eclipse, and and what would that have to do with the impeachment trial? I mean, what the we need you to lay that out for everybody, Christopher. <laughs> well, I would love to, simply because, and I, I, I suspect people were like, oh, not more impeachment. But what I wanted to demonstrate today very quickly, if I could, is how a solar eclipse works. And this is such a dramatic rendition of it um, that I was just kind of like, oh, let's go and, you know, take a minute or two if, if, if that's all right. Um, not all solar eclipses are the same. Uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, a solar eclipse is when the moon moves in front of the sun and blocks its rays in the middle of the day. 
that happens, you know, X amount of years in different signs and things like that. But back in 2017, we had a very dramatic one. On August 21st, 2017, we had a solar eclipse in the daylight that cast a shadow right across the United States of America. The last time that that had happened was 1776. <laughs> so, um, ah. that was, yes, <laughs> in which you had the shadow go right across the United States of America. And this great eclipse uh, took place on August 21st, 2017, uh, right at about 20. Uh, 26 or 28 degrees uh, Leo, and it was at a very, very radical uh, point. It's 28 degrees Leo, and it was exactly conjunct the fixed star called Regulus, which is the star of kings. Now, a solar eclipse in the Book of Ptolemy is associated to the fall of kings or people of great public repute. Okay, uh, he says they portend misfortune for royalty, nobility, and persons of quality, being you know publicly recognized people. Now, Donald Trump is not, for instance, a Leo, but his rising sign is 29 degrees Leo, with a Mars at 26, okay? And this has got all the astrologers very excited because, you know, the rising sign for his chart exactly conjuncts this point of Regulus, and here was an eclipse. So everyone was going on about impeachments and things like this. So, you know, you start tracking it. Now, an eclipse takes two to three years to play out. Okay, it doesn't play out on that day, and it doesn't play out in six months, and it doesn't play out in a, in, a, in a year. It takes about two to three years to play out. And what I would like you guys to sort of keep in mind, if you will, is the dates for the astrological sign of Leo. The solar eclipse takes place in Leo, which means that anything taking place between July 23rd and August 21st, which are the days that Leo rules, would be of importance. And so as an astrologer, we would look for events to emerge a year later, two years later, three years later, to sort of see how this shadow of the eclipse is cast across these years in time. Now, on, in August 2017, at the time of the eclipse, on August 9th, Robert Mueller has his investigators raid Paul Manafort's home in search of documents that he's looking for. That's August 9th. On August 21st, which is the day of, um, oh, okay, so that happens on, uh, yeah, uh, on August 21st, 2018, is when Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, admits in court that Trump directed him to arrange page payments to two women during the 2016 campaign to keep them from speaking publicly about affairs that they had had with Trump. So as astrologers, what we do is we see those as seeds being planted, okay, seeds being planted at that point. In August 2018, on August 21st, 2018, remember the eclipses, August uh, 21st, 2017. On August 21st, 2018, Michael Cohen is charged in federal court. He admits to eight counts of financial crimes. The same day, August 21st, 2018, Paul Manafort is charged in court, found guilty on eight counts of tax evasion, money fraud, money laundering. Now we go to August 2019. Okay, on July 24th, right at the beginning of Leo, on August 20. 19, Mueller winds up his testimony in Congress. On July 25th, this is the second or third day of Leo, Trump made, makes the fateful phone call to the Ukrainian president's 
Vladimir Zelensky on July 25th, 2019. And on August 12th, 2019, just sort of take that 21 I've been working with and change the numbers to 12. On August 12th, 2019, the whistleblower complaint shows up on the desks of the Richard Burr and Adam Schiff, chairmen of the Select Committee on Intelligence. And that's when they learn about the phone call to Zelensky, which gets the whole process of the impeachment going. So what I just wanted to sort of demonstrate very quickly is that astrology is a timeline. It's not arbitrary. You have to know when to start timing the events. But here I just wanted to demonstrate not only how a solar eclipse works, but it's almost practically to the day, actually, that August 21, and resulting in, you know, the fall or, or the misfortune of a king or someone in a high position of office. Well, and it also has has me asking the question about what will happen August 21, 2020, when it's exactly three years later. That's going to be a date I'm going to want to circle on my calendar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, if it's still of some sort of vague interest, the last time we had this solar eclipse um, at 28 degrees Leo was in 1998. And it was four days after Clinton lied in front of the jury and uh, the grand jury, and that resulted in his impeachment. That was the last time we had that exact eclipse at that point. Hmm. Yeah. Very, so I just wanted, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to demonstrate that astrology is a calendar and that, um, you know, it, it, it just, you, you follow those dates, and, but it has to be according to the exact placement of the planet. Hmm. That's wonderful stuff to follow, and it's a good thing that we podcast this so people can go back and review it, because it's a lot of heavy stuff. Astrology isn't just fun and games. I think, Christopher, we look at it as, oh, it's fun, I read my horoscope in the newspaper, which I do daily, right? and I enjoy it thoroughly, most days, if the news is good, especially, <laughs> but a timely <laughs> warning is always helpful also. But then uh, I realized that astrology is both art and science. It, is, it has great predictive value if you take that view of things. We know about the skeptics. We know about the cynics. But that's not where Suzanne and I live. It's certainly not where you live. Right. I also, along the same lines, and before we get into your horoscopes for today, I know whenever you come on the show, people love to listen to their horoscope, per Christopher Renstrom. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about the significance of a new moon, generally speaking, what it is to have a new moon show up, but also a new moon, particularly in the sign of Aquarius, which is what we're going to see just past 4.30 p.m. today, Eastern Time. Mm -hmm. What does that portend? What does that augur for us? Well, we're already seeing an example of it, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, a new moon is always a new beginning, but why don't I address the new moon in Aquarius, okay? Uh, this new moon in Aquarius is not a typical new moon in Aquarius. Well, actually, it is a typical new moon in Aquarius. What do I want to highlight about this new moon in Aquarius? This new moon in Aquarius um, is taking place with a square to Uranus, the planet of uh, revolution and change. Uranus brings unexpected disruption and unpredictability and even... You know, if it's given, you know, a large scope or whatever, it could even be calamity or, or could, it, it, it disrupts the life. Um, what's really important about this particular new moon in Aquarius is that the new moon in Aquarius marks the beginning of the Chinese New Year. All right. 
and so at the, and, and Aquarius is connected to huge uh, uh, big groups of people. Um, populations are ruled by Aquarius. Gemini is your sibling. Uh, the air signs each rule a sphere of relationship. Gemini is your sibling. Libra is your spouse. And Aquarius will be the group, your fraternity, the group that you, you hang with, or it could be populations. Um, Aquarius is also an air sign. So what we have here going on with New Moon is you can have the beginning of something. It's the idea of seeds being planted, as I was talking about with the solar eclipse. That's a new moon. Seeds are planted, and they, they, they bear fruit two to three years later with, with an eclipse. But <clears throat> with a new moon, seeds are always being planted. So here, and, and, and they're hidden. They're not seen. So here what we've actually seen is the beginning of this airborne virus that comes out of China. Oh. Um, and that it is affecting, this is the biggest, the New Year's is bringing in enormous populations. You know, people are coming home to celebrate New Year and things like that. So this is the biggest trafficking part, uh, season, time of year for, for China. And so here the new moon is absolutely connected to that airborne virus, uh, which is taking place in the way that it's just multiplying. You know, uh, think, of, think of a ripple, you know, or, or something being dropped into water, and then it ripples across a large expanse. And so that is unfortunately what we are seeing here at the new moon. Um, and, and so that's part of it. Because it is square Uranus, um, it means surprise upsets. And, and so every time the moon squares during this period of time, maybe surprise upsets. So people are going to want to be very careful this month around the time of the new moon, which is, which is right now. Uh, the next period of time would be February 1 and 2. Uh, the time after that would be February 13 and 14. Um, and then uh, the new moon energy ends on February 20th to 21st, and then it's, it's run its course. So, as you know, astrologers would look at this and say, watch out for unexpected accidents or surprises or revelations or whatever, and then they would quarter that, that, that period. I actually missed a date. It's uh, January 31 to February 1. But, but you quarter it. So you go with the new moon, and then you go to the uh, first quarter moon, the full moon, and the fourth quarter moon, and then the, the moon has run its cycle. That energy run, runs out. All right. I, I feel like I want to go to bed and put the covers over my head. Well, this is it. <laughs> Signs and portents. And I have been told when Uranus is involved, and now I see that Aquarius has a, a lot to say about it, you're talking about the kinds of surprises that people don't necessarily welcome. Exactly. There's, there's, when you deal with the planets, you're dealing with different... Like, for instance, take the word change, Right. Everyone, a lot of people use the word change. Oh, this is changing, that's changing, expect change, you know, and, and things along those lines. But there's different types of change. For instance, Mercury, which is a very quick-moving planet, the changes that Mercury will talk about are ephemeral changes. They're not long-lasting. Little adaptations or, or things that you do to make a situation work, showing some flexibility, uh, quick change, you know, that's a mercurial change, okay? But when you deal with a slower moving planet like Uranus, that change can be a groundbreaking change, a revelatory change, a revolutionary or an upsetting change. It takes place, it's a slower change and it can alter the direction of your life. So, you know, the planet's 
because of their speeds and, and character. We'll talk about the different qualities, um, you know, for instance, like change or, or even of security, um, will be defined very differently by what planet is impacting it. I am fascinated so by that. So am I. That was very interesting. I was taking notes. I mean, it raises hackles. I'll be honest with you, Christopher. It's not the kind of thing you look forward to, but I would hate to be ignorant of it and have it land on me like a safe falling from a 10th floor window. Well, that's why astrology was created. It was, you know, the, it, it was created, well, sailors were the biggest purveyors of astrology in the ancient world because they used the stars to navigate by and they used the stars to tell time. Astrology was used in that same idea. You use it to navigate your life. It wasn't like, you know, oh, it's a bad day, I have to hide out. It's, oh, I've got Uranian energy very strong today, so I want to be extra careful. You know, if I feel like I have to zip into work and drive really fast, I want to be careful driving in. I want to look both ways. I want to be a more defensive driver because something could happen. You know, and, 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 you know, these are things that we should be practicing or whatever in our life anyway, but they become much more um, acute, much more, you know, hey, keep this in mind as the planetary energy increases. Very, very quickly, uh, Christopher, you said that this starts January 31 and February 1 and then jumps to the 13th and 14th. What is, what is, why? Are there two different dates? Ends the twentieth and twenty-first of February. Oh, when I was yeah, I, I was I was quartering the moon. So what I want to do, quartering and this moon. gets back to actually what we're talking about with moons. Um, I want to begin with a new moon that begins the month in our calendar. Um, Aquarius begins on the twentieth, but the new moon energy doesn't happen until today. So this begins the okay. the lunar month as far as the moon is concerned. So okay. today and tomorrow then become key. Then what you want to do is that you go through every fixed sign, because for Aquarius this month, every fixed sign will be a phase of the moon. The next phase of the moon will be January 31 and February 1st. That okay. will be the first quarter moon. Then you will have a full moon on February uh, 7 and 8. And then you have mm -hmm. a last quarter moon on February 15, uh, 14 and 15. And then when you come again to the next new moon, that's the end of the movie. You know, it's, 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 okay. it's, it's the energy has run its course. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining that because I wanted to, I wanted to know what that was. So it's first quarter, full moon, uh, three quarters, and then back to the new moon in February. Right. And another okay. way to think of it or, or why it's of such interest is that um, the sun just has its light in the sky, you know, and, and sun, sun shows up, it lights up the sky, it sets, and that's it. The moon's light changes. So in, a, so in a new moon to a quarter moon, uh, moon phase, up until the full moon, the moon is gaining light. It's growing in light. So it's, it's, think of it as a seed. It's a seedling pushing through the soil, and it's, and it's starting to stand erect. So then it flowers, basically. I mean, we're going to do time-lapse photography for this, but the seed flowers in the full moon. Okay, that's when the moon is really present. That's when the turtles know where to go and everyone turns off their lights, right? right. After the moon has peaked in the full moon, the seed has okay. flowered in the full moon, right. the flower fades. And so right. what happens is that the event has come to its culmination in the full moon, and then it starts waning. It starts losing okay. its energy until it disappears into the sky again. So if you want okay. something to work out or whatever, you want to do it on the increase, the time between the new moon from the first quarter to the full, and then you want to yep. wrap it up 
after 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 that full moon. Things are brought Good. to a conclusion or now. Good. Thank you for that explanation. I appreciate that. Sure. Okay, Christopher. Now we're at the bottom of the hour and I've got scopes to read. So I'm going to read half before we go to break, the other half on the other side. Let's start with Aries. Good place to start. Are you listening, Suzanne? This is Aries for Friday, January 24, 2020, per Christopher Renstrom. You enjoy a good battle of the wits. It's how you test others' intellectual strengths. But remember that not all people share your sparring attitude. For Taurus, each of the next three months will be more challenging than the one before. But in the end, you'll be standing on higher ground. Let's go to Gemini. The powers that be are trying to rectify a mistake. This is good news since you were terribly wronged. A decision is reversed in your favor. And Cancer. Tell an associate or colleague, Ixnay with the quick fixes. They're adding to woes, not alleviating them. What's needed is a solid game plan. Leo. A loved one who's been adrift scrambles onto solid ground. This upswing in fortunes leads to an improvement of life at home. And for this moment, Virgo, and then we'll go to break. Virgo, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that includes a certain pain in the derriere. <laughs> We've all got at least one of those. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> I'll read the other six on the other side of a short break, and then we'll get into the implications of today's scopes for you. I'm sure we've got some from every sign listening. We are visiting with Christopher Renstrom, astrologer extraordinaire on Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes, and we'll be right back. It's Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. or streaming live from your computer anywhere. There are many sounds in your day-to-day -day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. 
For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Christopher Renstrom, astrologer extraordinaire, with a little something-something for all the sun signs. On Saturday, Lauren Archer, Puget Sound hypnotherapist, talks about using your innate wisdom to make 2020 your best year ever. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. Love that age of Aquarius. And we have a new moon in Aquarius tonight. So it seems rather fitting, rather appropriate. We are talking to one of our most favorite A-list guests. 20 times over. 20 times over (laughs) today, Christopher Renstrom. Christopher, if people would like to subscribe to your online magazine, Uh, Tell us how they can find you, where they can go, how they can connect. And I think, isn't there something else going on that you want to let us know about? (laughs) Well, thank you for asking. (laughs) First of all, uh, you can subscribe to rulingplanets.com. That's uh, ruling, um, planets, one word, dot com. And uh, when you subscribe, you get a daily horoscope, a weekly horoscope, cosmic alert, which gives you the heads up on upcoming things with the planets and all sorts of different features which really uh, talk about and focus on your ruling planet, Um, which is kind of like the lost key to astrological interpretation and one that I'm bringing back in a campaign. Uh, The other thing that I would love to talk about is I just turned in my manuscript for um, my book, which is called The Cosmic Calendar. Uh, It will be published in October 2020 by uh, Torture Perigee, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. And it's basically how to use, well, it's basically what we're talking about today, how to use your astrological chart as a calendar. Um, and so that will be, uh, that will be the uh, uh, story of the book. And it's written for people who um, really love sun signs, but their eyes glaze over when it starts getting more complicated than that. And so this kind of acts as a bridge between sun sign astrology and what I call everything else astrology, which is when, you know, people get bombarded with planets starting in and out of the houses and things like that. So it's kind of a bridge between the two, and it bases everything on the sun in your chart and really kind of opens up how to look at and, and read your own chart according to the, uh, according to the sun. Oh, I love that. That is that's going to be absolutely wonderful. And that's in October of this year. Go yeah, to rulingplanets.com yeah. and get connected with Christopher Renstrom. That's all I can say. I'm reading the daily horoscopes from rulingplanets.com and we are up to Libra. So let me read the second half, six of them and then we can get into some of the implications. Sure. Libra, Friday, January 24, 2020. It's never too late for New Year's resolutions, especially when today's new moon offers an opportunity to make a fresh go of it with a loved one or friend. Scorpio, one little change at home is all it takes to prompt a complete overhaul. Six months from now, you'll experience a rise in both emotional and property values. Sagittarius, be pleasant, especially to those who don't deserve it, Changes in the pecking order at work result in friends being out and rivals being in. Capricorn, you've no choice but to move ahead with the project. 
You're winging it on a hope and a prayer. Others have achieved victory with less. Aquarius, today's new moon symbolizes a fresh start. Don't worry if it's shaky at first. You'll get your footing as you go along. And finally, Pisces, you can't confront and you can't ignore. So what do you do about a certain problem? Let it teach you. Aggravation can be consciousness raising. Aggravation has that way. It's, it's not simply leviting. It can be a, a cosmic teacher. And if you get Saturn involved at some point, look out, because I've always heard, Christopher, that Saturn is like a cosmic report card. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful way of putting it. <laughs> it is the planet of the reality check. <laughs> reality check. Yes, indeed. I did want to bring up Sagittarius. I find this curious. You know, we've got our Sages listening. Be pleasant, especially to those who don't deserve it. Changes in the pecking order at work result in friends being out and rivals being in. We were talking about Uranus and surprises, not always of the welcome variety. I'm reminded exactly. of that when I read Sagittarius today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the way that um, those surprise revelations, you know, take place aren't always going to be the same for every one of the signs. For instance, um, if you're... Um, if you're uh, an air sign, like let's say you're, Ge you're born under Gemini, Libra, or Aquarius, then those uh, surprise revelations can actually be beneficial. You know, the energy may very well work in a constructive or positive way. Um, for other signs like Taurus or Scorpio, it may be much more of a struggle. Uh, because of the planetary configurations with Sagittarius for today, it shows up as a blind spot. It's good, but it's still a blind spot. And so, and, and it had a lot to do with what's going on in the office or the place of employment. So, you know, it's, as an astrologer, I have to find a way to, okay, we talk about office, place of employment, but also it has to be a blind spot. And Aquarius, of course, is, is the sign of like the people you know and, and things like that. So this is how we kind of come up with these predictions. We have to take these different elements and then put them together, but then also base it on the planet's aspect to that sign. And that's what makes each of the uh, predictions uh, particular, uh, specific to that sign. I like this. I shouldn't say I like, but I'm alert to the significance of the blind spot. We can see people one way for a very long time, and then something or a series of things happens, and we are challenged to reevaluate that person or those persons. Absolutely. And Uranus is the one of these things is not like the other planets. So it's going to always introduce a radical element. And the first impulse might be to kind of make the new piece of the puzzle that you've discovered fit with everything else. But Uranus has a sort of square peg being pushed into a round hole resistance to anything. So Uranus also introduces a kind of radical element that's not going to blend in easily with the rest of your life. And for some people, that can be tremendously creative. It can be like, wow, okay, this is opening up a different way of looking at this. And for other people, it can be uh, dismal. <laughs> like, you know, I had all my ducks lined up in a row. I, I didn't need this, you know, uh, uh, curveball from left field being thrown into this. It's upsetting everything that, that I was planning on here. So, you know, it's the nature of the planet. 
that's an amazing thing to contemplate. It is scary, Christopher. I'm not going to lie to you. It would set just about anyone's teeth on edge. But I know that, uh, you know, I've I've done my share of rune readings, for example. There's a nice system of divination, ancient as it is, and very well-founded as far as I'm concerned. But when you have the hailstorm, the destruction of the hailstorm, look what it does to your garden, right? It's right. also bringing these creative forces forcefully to front and center in your life because changes are perhaps overdue. Perhaps we've been resisting them and here comes the hail and all of a sudden you can't look at life in the same old way. Right, right. And, and, and the thing is, listen, there are changes that are calamitous. You know, they're, they're, they're difficult. There's no, there's no other way to interpret it. You know, they can, they can be like that, you know. And then there are changes which can upset the order of things, but that might take on a more creative, you know, sort of tone. So astrology actually really tries to address those different things, but hopefully what people also can understand from astrology is time goes on, you know, that, that you know, you may be sideswiped by something, or you may have to contend with difficult circumstances, but it's not going to last forever. It's not always going to be that difficult. You know, the the planets and their courses are non-stop. They're, they're always in motion. Of course, it begs certain questions like, did you survive this? Or, you know, how, how much uh, are you walking away with from that accident, you know, type of thing. But astrology also addresses the idea that you go on from that. You move on from that, just like in time. That's why astrology is a calendar. It's not a science. It's not a religion. It's a calendar. And so the point is to give the heads up you know, so that you can work with uh, what's, what's, what's up and coming and not be, um, you know, laid flat by it. You know, what you were saying uh, earlier before the break about the, the new moon in Aquarius and the square to Uranus, I, I find so fascinating, you know, as, as a calendar watching out for these different quarters of the moon and so now I'm wondering, since we're talking about what's going on right here, right now, mm -hmm. as you look a little bit further down the line, either, you know, three months or six months, mm -hmm. is there something else which is like that, which has gotten your attention? Well, what you want to do, if you remember the example of the moon, right, and we quartered the month? Right. What people want to do who are born under Aquarius, Saturn, and Taurus, is then go ahead and quarter your year. Okay? So in other words, whenever the sun, the sun is in Aquarius, and that's a fixed sign. A fixed sign doesn't budge, it's resistant, all those sorts of things. But the reason why a fixed sign is called a fixed sign is because it's the middle of the month. Okay? Uh, Aquarius, the sun is coldest in the middle of winter, and that's the sign of Aquarius. So, so not mid-month, excuse me, mid-season. It's, 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 it's when you have the absolute essence of that season. Winter is most wintry when the sun is in Aquarius. And so what you want to then do is quarter your year according to the fixed signs. The spring, spring has sprung when the sun is in Taurus. The sun is at its hottest when the sun is in Leo, um, the sun is uh, 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 at, in autumn, it's going away, uh, plants are going to seed when the sun is in Scorpio. And so when you quarter the year like that, those months then become important as carrying Uranian energy. 
Okay, these are the months when things can switch or t- suddenly change direction or do an about face. And so those are the, the, you then plot out your year with that in mind because as the Uranian energy is triggered in just the context of that month of Aquarius, the new moon, that same thing will hold true when the sun triggers it, and that will be done in the signs. That makes any sort of sense. This is a demonstration of why astrologers look to the signs. This is you, you time everything for that type of energy. Uranian switches, revolutions or revelations will take place in the signs of Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio. So when the sun is in those signs, that's the time of year when you look for that. That does make sense to me. And that also answers the question about, you know, where where do we need a heads up with um, Uranus being, you know, at those four times of the year? We're Right now, we're just at the first one. We're right. talking about um, Uranus in, uh, in Aquarius right now, the winter. But I get where you can look for that now in Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio at about the... Uh, same proximity about the same time and see what is happening then. And I I think that's a great heads up for people to, to see what is occurring then and how that those planets and configurations will be affected. uh, You're ready to be an astrologer, (laughs) you know, exactly how astrology works. What becomes confusing for people is that there's 10 planets and so they lose their way but you can take a planet like Uranus, which is so singular, it's so characteristic, and it's so mm-hmm. slow-moving. And so by putting those elements together, you can then chart out your year. And it's basically what I did was simply do it based on, you know, what I demonstrated earlier with, with the month. Yes, right. Instead of doing... The, the the quarters of the moon you're talking about the quarters of the year and that's right. I think that's very helpful for people well astrology is a calendar I mean we got our seasons from astrology right when the sun felt closest to us in the summer uh, when it felt the furthest away in the winter when uh, life was beginning to grow again the spring and when life was going to seed and you had to prepare for um, hard times ahead, which was in Scorpio. So all of this comes from astrology. Yes. I wanted to get in Gemini here. I find this most curious for today's horoscopes, Christopher. Gemini, the powers that be are trying to rectify a mistake. This is good news since you were terribly wronged. A decision is reversed in your favor. Now, in and of itself, that is a very dynamic horoscope for Gemini's today. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because I don't know how someone like yourself, as experienced and as astute as you are, would look into this and see the operation of group dynamics, particularly in terms of organizations. I don't know sure. what about this configuration would even suggest that to you. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try. Um, in a daily horoscope, you always start the sun right at the at, at what we would call a rising sign placement. It's called a solar horoscope. All daily horoscopes, because we can't look at the horoscopes of everyone born under Gemini, we have to do a generic. We have to do a general uh, horoscope. So in terms of the Gemini horoscope, 
first of all, the first thing I'm going to know is that whatever this Uranian energy is going to be for Gemini, it's going to be favorable because Aquarius agrees with the two other air signs. The two other air signs are Gemini and Libra, okay? So I know that whatever this crazy turnaround energy is going to be, it's going to be favorable, okay, because air signs agree, get along with Aquarius. Now, when I draw that solar horoscope, and this, you're just going to have to take my word for it, the new moon in Aquarius takes place in an elevated position, okay? Um, it takes place actually in the, what would be the ninth house of the solar horoscope. And so any sort of elevated position in astrology is someone who lords over you, okay? So it would talk about um, your boss, uh, your employer, um, someone that you answer to, because it's an elevated position. It's above the horizon, and it's almost near the 12 noon point. Um, and it's also in a position of judgment, which is connected to the uh, solar, uh, the, uh, the ninth house of the solar horoscope. So what I have to put together is, A, it's favorable. B, it's coming from an elevated position, someone who lords over this person. And C, it's a reversal. It's an about face. And so that's basically the background on, on the Gemini horoscope for today. I'm glad we could discuss that in some detail. If there are Geminis out there, and I'm sure there are, something good's going to happen for you. The fact that you're born under an air sign seems to be favorably aspected today, and that's good news. Also, to the Librans, what I read from today's horoscope, Christopher, is that when you talk about Librans, okay, you might get a fresh start with somebody close to you. Maybe you've been on the outs. Maybe there, there have been issues. And isn't that the way with Librans? Because all the Libras I know, and I think the lore of astrology backs me up on this, Libra is very intimately involved with partnerships of various kinds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and a number of them. <laughs> Everyone thinks that the uh, only person the Libra married was their spouse, but Libra's just as married to their nanny or their dog walker. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's that partnership. Everything is done through collaboration. We, you know, it, it's, Libra is very much W-E, we. You know, everything is done we in a partnership effort. So, so that's what's that's what makes Libra different from the other two uh, signs of uh, the other two Earth uh, air signs in the zodiac. And with that being the case, what about people who are? Let's give them their uh, equal time here. What about people born under water signs? Mm -hmm. When you have all this air activity, how does that intermingle with the watery aspects of nature? Um. The elements, and this is something which actually I spend a lot of time in my book, because uh, it, the book is broken into two parts, which is seasons. You want to do things when the sun is in your season, i.e. your birthday. That's when you're in season. And B, you want to do, you want to do things when you feel like you're in your element. You know? And that's, that also connects to the signs as well. Um, water and earth are two elements that are complementary. They get, they get along with each other, Okay. Fire and air are two elements that are complementary. They get along with each other. But once you start moving water with an air or a fire, you start getting what I call rock, scissors, paper. You know, you get this battle for one-upmanship. 
that takes place among the three elements. And so air, although not hostile to water, doesn't understand water. So, for instance, in today's horoscope, the air signs will be genial. They will understand or be able to direct this energy, whereas the water signs, this idea of the blind spot that I was bringing up earlier, uh, we brought it up with Sagittarius, but that was based on planetary configurations. But with the water signs, um, it doesn't easily get or, or understand what's going on with that energy. And so that's where uh, they can start to feel uh, what water signs feel if there's a lot of air energy, which is like a fish out of water. You know, they can, you know, uh, feel very anxious or, or nervous and, and, and things like that. So, you know, what was favorable, congenial in air, because it comes from an air element, Aquarius, isn't as favorable or congenial, perhaps more of a blind spot when it intermixes with water. I like that. That's a good explanation. Yes, and it just calls to mind how people need to be mindful of the elements because that was the ancient way of looking at the universe. Oh, yeah. We look at it now. Okay, air sign, water sign, earth sign, fire sign. That's one thing when you're reading your horoscope. So what if that was your way of looking at the construction of the cosmos? Absolutely. Let's say you have a difficult planet. Let's say you were born under a difficult planetary placement. Let's, we're talking about Aquarius. Let's say you're an Aquarius and you have difficult planets next to your sun. Okay. Every time when the sun comes around to your birthday, you're going to experience that. Okay. Because it's being, uh, think of the sun passing over a part of your garden. They get the sunlight at a certain time of day. Well, it's the same thing when a sun comes over your own sign that you were born under. That's where the beams of the energy of the sun are very strong. And so you might feel rekindled or re-energized as a person, but you might also be, that might also be the time when you deal with the difficult planetary placement. But, but we're making Aquarius our starting point. Every time the sun is in an air sign like Gemini, or an air sign like Libra, it actually alleviates or lifts up that energy because the element understands it. And so what might be burdensome may be less burdensome during that period of time. Or maybe um, when the sun's in Gemini or Libra is when you make headway or when you finally understand what's been an obstacle. So this is where the elements really kind of redistribute the solar energy of the chart so that you know, you base it in times of year because you're always going to get back to the sign and the sign that the sun's passing through and the sun in a sign tells you a time of year, it tells you a month, it tells you a season. And so this is, again, how we time things uh, um, and where the elements actually play an extraordinarily important role um, in the forecasting of the chart. Thank you, Christopher Renstrom. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. We always learn a lot when you visit us. Can't wait for visit number 21. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Suzanne, coming up next. Coming up next is the Christine Upchurch Show, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience. And after that, American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to us, ladies and gentlemen. Mance and Mitchell will be back tomorrow on 1150 KKNW, 10 a.m. Pacific. Listen online if you're out of radio range at 1150kknw.com. I hope this is the start of a great weekend, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.